The race for the nomination is on, and whether it's Ron or Don, let me just say this. If we can tank Bud Light and pressure woke Target to move their pride paganda to the back of the store, we sure as hell should be able to beat Joe Biden. I've got John Cardillo on deck for a chat about all things DeSantis. But first, my losers of the week. The show starts now. It's the summer of 2023, and we've officially got more losers than you can shake a Pride-themed stick at. Our cups are overflowing with idiots. And while Joe and Corrine Jean-Pierre will always have an honorary spot on this list, my top three losers this week happen to all be from the woke activist ilk. First up is the outdoor apparel brand, The North Face. This company has decided the best way to sell outdoor gear is to feature an adult male in a rainbow jumper, full makeup, and a mustache. Again, to sell outdoor gear. Hi, it's me, Patagonia, a real-life homosexual. And today, I'm here with the North Face. We are here to invite you to come out in nature with us. Wow, this is nice. We like to call this little tour the Summer of Pride. This tour has everything. Hiking, community, art, lesbians, lesbians making art. Last year, we gay saw shade across the nation and celebrated pride across the nation with hundreds of you across the nation. This year, we're back, back, back again with two new stops. Atlanta, GA. Why? Because you're there. In Salt Lake City, we're coming for you. Apparently, it's not only the summer of pride, but also the summer of mental illness and tone-deaf woke marketing departments. But if the pride line over there at the North Face isn't robust enough for you, you could always just visit the front or, in some places, the back of Target for a full collection of pride paganda for the whole damn family. So earlier this week, we were told Target executives held an emergency meeting to address the backlash the company was and is facing due to pride-themed offerings in their stores. So this prompted some stores to move their weird crap to the back of the store, and I can confirm that to be the case here in Nashville, Tennessee. This is a win. Okay. But the company won't acknowledge that they made these changes like unpartnering with the Satanists to salvage their bottom line and avoid getting bud lighted. Instead, they are blaming conservatives for making their employees feel unsafe. Yeah, you heard that right. Target is now trying to regain conservative consumer confidence by suggesting conservatives have made their employees feel harassed and unsafe. Interesting move, Target. I'd say you missed the mark, but that's pretty damn obvious. You know, this is a load of crap and a lie. The employees are uncomfortable. Well, guess what? We, the people, are uncomfortable seeing this sick gay trans propaganda pushed on kids. Oh, and you expect us to believe employees feel unsafe due to conservatives pushing back on this filth, but these employees aren't scared of the mass shoplifting in their stores? Yeah, give me a frickin' break. Y'all lock up your flippin' mascara over there at Target, so now perhaps you can do the same with your penis-tucking bikinis. I swear, this is just really something else. Folks, if you still choose to give your money to these companies, that's on you. But remember the last time a social justice movement prompted you to donate to the cause? How did that turn out for you? Oh, wait. Pick me. Pick me. I know. That's right. Loser 3 this week and every week is BLM. BLM Inc. is about to go bankrupt, but their founders are living in multi-million dollar estates and blowing money left and right, mostly left, like how founder Patrice Culler's brother was paid $1.6 million for security services in 2022, while the sister of a board member earned $1.1 million for consulting. 
You know, I hope you all black square BLM donating warriors feel real stupid about yourselves because you were played. As for the rest of us, we are done getting played. And just ask Bud Light and Target and any other corporation that chooses to go this route, they'll tell you, we are playing now. Those are my losers of the week. But still ahead, Governor Ron DeSantis has entered the race. And while many in the mega crowd are vocally pissed, I have a feeling a lot are silently reading the writing on the wall that Ron can probably win. I've got Trumper turned DeSantis supporter John Cardello on deck with his take from the Ron side. That's next. Our border is a disaster. Crime infests our cities. The federal government makes it harder for families to make ends meet, and the president flounders. But decline is a choice. Success is attainable, and freedom is worth fighting for. Riding the ship requires restoring sanity to our society, normalcy to our communities, and integrity to our institutions. Truth must be our foundation and common sense can no longer be an uncommon virtue. In Florida, we proved that it can be done. We chose facts over fear, education over indoctrination, law and order over rioting and disorder. We held the line when freedom hung in the balance. We showed that we can and must revitalize America. We need the courage to lead and the strength to win. I'm Ron DeSantis, and I'm running for president to lead our great American comeback. Ron is officially in the race, and so it begins the DeSantis derangement syndrome from two very different places, the Democrats and Team Trump. So before I bring in my guests, I just want to get a couple things off my chest. First of all, if I thought Trump could win in 2024, I would have agreed with some of you that Ron could have waited till 2028. But here's the deal. We lose in 2024. We might not have a 2028 because we don't install candidates like the Democrats do. OK, that doesn't work for us. If you support Trump over DeSantis, that's fine. But don't use the tired BS line that Ron needs to wait his turn. This isn't a monarchy. Tell me how Trump has a better shot at winning or why Trump is better, but don't pull that DeSantis is disloyal bit. DeSantis does not have to kiss Trump's ring, and you don't demand the same from any other one of his challengers, so stop. Joining me now with his take on it all is conservative commentator John Cardillo. John, it is great to have you from over there at Camp Ron DeSantis. <laughs> Hey, Tommy, how are you? I feel like you and I spoke before the show, but we didn't because you just took the words out of my mouth. I I said on Twitter the other day, the Constitution of the United States of America denotes the criteria uh, for the eligibility to run for president and waiting your turn and a life debt to Donald Trump are not among them. I mean, this loyalty nonsense. Look, my argument is DeSantis was one of the few members of Congress to vehemently defend Trump day in and day out writing letters to Trump to fire Christopher Ray to prosecute people inside these weaponized agencies. DeSantis defended him every day. Maybe Trump owed DeSantis that 2018 endorsement. But we draw jokes aside. An endorsement five years ago is not a life debt. It's such a ridiculous narrative. That's really what bothers me as well. And John, I know that you used to be over on Team Trump. I have spent the majority of my television career on Team Trump, right? So I still 
love Donald Trump. I love what he did for the country. If I knew that he could win in 2024, I might say, all right, I'm all in on Trump. We'll just take our chances. But I am very concerned about losing in 2024. And I am in reality, I'm not in, in you know camp loyalty where I understand that Donald Trump has a lot working against him. And it's not all his fault. In fact, most of it isn't his fault. But that's where the chips have fallen, right? So we need to make a strategic decision here. And if we didn't have any other good candidates, right, if Ron DeSantis wasn't in the picture, I would probably be going full bore for Donald Trump, to be honest, because I really don't like any of the rest of them. But when you have somebody like a Ron DeSantis as an option that can win independence, that can maybe even win groups that usually conservatives aren't able to win, like he did in Miami-Dade, right? We would be stupid not to take a look at that. But I want to get into, you know, some of the attacks that you and I have both faced, right? Because I know that oh, they've yeah. been coming at you hot and heavy. So kind of explain to me what the reception has been from uh, the mega supporters, people that, quite honestly, uh, used to be really our, our close friends. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty remarkable, Tommy. So you got to go back to January of 2022, almost a year and a half ago. There was a photo, went kind of viral, and it was me and some other media people, right? You know, some social media influencers, we were invited up to the governor's mansion in Tallahassee for dinner, all because we're Floridians. This is before DeSantis even really had a campaign infrastructure or, or was exploring a run in a, in a real meaningful way. But it was, we were so grateful for what DeSantis had done in Florida, you know, pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, and, and just the way Florida has become so livable, easy to build your business. We get invited up there, we take a photo at the desk and people at Mar-a-Lago, Senior advisors to Donald Trump, people I've known for years that I'm friendly with, live it. I mean, calling me up. How dare you? You're disloyal. We thought you were a friend. I'm like, what the hell? I went to dinner at the governor's house. <laughs> like, he's my governor in my state. Was I going to say no? And they went apoplectic because we had dinner. So I started to see the insecurity then. And then they started sending the Alex Bruzewitzes and the Laura Loomers and the Roger Stones and the disgraced Ali Alexander, all these fringe weirdos around Team Trump to attack with the most vile, and I would even say defamatory attacks, but you're not going to sue them because they have no money. They're not collectible. And it's what they want. They want the attention. But it has been such a low rent, sleazy tactic or tactics, I should say, they've been using in attacking people, getting very personal, bringing their families in. I mean, I've never seen anything. Look, you and I have never shied away from being fiery, right? Online, on air, never shied away from it. But we've never stooped to that level. They're attacking families and children and, and wives. And it's just, it's it's at a place that's pretty reprehensible. Yeah, you know, it has bothered me a little bit. But I honestly, there's a calculation that I'm sure we both have made, you know, to some extent, Right. Um, the calculation that I have made is, hey, listen, I have to put my country first. I have to be honest with my supporters. I have built this platform with millions of followers, and I have to be honest. I have to be honest with them. We're exactly where I stand, and I've been very transparent about it for several months now, and that is this. I love Donald Trump. I wish he was my president. However, I'm very concerned about him winning in 2024. I think Ron DeSantis is an excellent leader. I think that he has proven himself to be a real leader, not only in Florida, but in Congress, as a veteran, as a family man, as a husband. I like the guy. I really do. So I have to be honest with my supporters and say, hey, listen, I know you love Trump, 
But you might want to take a look at the strategy here because really it doesn't matter if we lose and then just say the thing was rigged. Okay, that's not a strategy for making America great again. But I want to move on to the announcement yesterday because as we probably could have predicted, there's a lot of people that are jumping on the tech issues with the whole listen live on Twitter and the Twitter spaces to attack Ron DeSantis saying, you know, failure to launch. He's not ready for prime time. What do you make of that criticism? Well, look, I was at the Four Seasons down in, in Miami. I'm uh, there now. And uh, it, I saw the governor a little while ago, actually. He came in. He looked great. He was relaxed. He was the crowd loved him. But um, it's it's much ado about nothing, Tommy. If anything, people are talking about this. Good or bad, there's no such thing as bad publicity in politics. Nobody's blaming Ron DeSantis. Elon Musk is a guy who gets rockets to go up and down vertically 42 times. So nobody's you know blaming Ron DeSantis for the tech glitch. But people are talking about the launch. It sucked all the air out of the room. And I think it's we're coming into Memorial Day weekend. People are worried about what they're going to uh, grill, right? And, and uh, what, what type of beer they're buying now that they're not buying Bud Light. <laughs> By Monday, nobody's going to remember a 30-minute tech glitch. I think it was much ado about nothing. And I think the DeSantis campaign achieved what they wanted to achieve. And this isn't me being naively optimistic or spinning it. They wanted to do something unique that people would talk about, and that's what's happening. And I think the fundraising numbers are going to bear that out because uh, without getting ahead of anybody, they are really impressive over the last 24 hours. And uh, small dollar donations, these are not the billionaires and you know the, right. the way the narrative is going out of Camp Trump. Small dollar donations, really impressive. So the support is there and growing. Another thing that frustrates me is when people call Ron DeSantis establishment. And the reason they call him establishment is because he cannot self-fund his campaign. All right, there are very few people that can self-fund a campaign, right? That'd be awesome. I'm sure Ron DeSantis wishes that he was a billionaire and could self-fund. Yeah, but if you're not Donald Trump or George Soros, you're going to have a really difficult time funding a presidential campaign. There is nothing about his record to me that screams establishment. Absolutely nothing. I don't know many establishment rhinos that, that fight a culture war and hold out on a culture war like Ron DeSantis has done time and time again, whether it's for parental rights or against Disney, the, again, protecting children from mutilation and sexualization. I mean, that's not something that an establishment rhino does. Another frustration that I have with some of the attacks on this man. But I also think it's very interesting that some of the conservatives, some of the Trump supporters are coming at Ron DeSantis from the left. They're picking up the leftist arguments, and I'm somebody who knows that we're going to have a bloody primary season, but wants to be able to tourniquet this party when it's all over, whether we have a Ron or a Don, right? So what is your oh, message yeah. Yeah. to conservatives out there that on both sides, mostly on the Trump side, want to draw blood and make really deep cuts here? Look, I think they've got to realize it's time exactly what you said. It's time and what I've been doing, time to put your country over one man. You know, there, there is this cult-like mentality. People get upset when I say it, where they say, well, we don't care. If Trump wins the primary, uh, we're only voting for Trump. Great. So am I. So are you. So is any good conservative, any Republican. Where they lose me is, well, if Trump doesn't win the primary, I'm sitting it out or I'm voting third party or I'm writing in Trump. That becomes petulant cultism. Knowing Ron DeSantis personally, knowing close friends of his for many years very well, and having been to many private, uh, off-the-record dinners, uh, and I'll never betray the confidences, but I will say this, he is the real deal. The conservatism, the culture warrior that's not for the cameras, that is that is woven into the very fabric of the man and his family, and what he's doing, he's not doing for political opportunism. I mean, taking on Disney in the state of Florida, 
any establishment consultant would tell you that is a kiss of death. Ron Stennis didn't care. It was the right thing to do. He did it. When they dug in, they saw these crazy privileges Reedy Creek was given, that special district that Disney enjoys. And uh, he said, wait a second, this isn't a level playing field. The woke stuff is the headline, Tommy, but that's really become secondary to him looking at the way one corporation in the state of Florida was given ridiculously preferential treatment over the others. And he dug in there and, and it was a sound decision. The business community is applauding it and most Floridians are applauding it. More importantly, I heard an interesting stat last night uh, or this morning in Iowa, which is critically important as the first contest in about nine months, Disney's unfavorability because of their social positions is at 67%. And so because a primary is a state-by-state -state contest, these were very smart cultural issues that the Santa's picked to attack. Yeah, no, I agree. And he has been able to really put his constituents over politics. We saw him do yeah. that with COVID, you know, and what frustrates me as well is there was a time when Donald Trump was advocating for the experimental vaccine, right? But people quickly forget that, um, that Ron DeSantis is the one that really stood up and said, we're not going to have forced vax. We're not going to have forced masks. We're going to get kids back into school. You know, I think it was very unfair that Trump had to go through the COVID era and he was really beaten up for it. I don't think that that was fair on him at all and really did lead to a lot of problems in 2020. But Ron DeSantis through that whole thing was steadfast. And I really appreciated that from him. And obviously so did a lot of Americans because they moved to Florida. But you mentioned something earlier that I think is very interesting that you know Trump supporters now are saying that if Ron is the nominee, that they're not gonna vote, they're gonna stay home or maybe even vote for a Joe Biden. And that brings to memory to me back during 2015 and 2016 when the never Trumpers said they yeah, would never yeah. vote for Trump. And I said, okay, you're not gonna vote for Trump. You might as well vote for Hillary. And if we get Hillary as president, that's on you. So how quickly people forget. It's so frustrating to me. But the last thing I wanna ask you is this. We know that Ron is gonna have to take on Donald Trump, right? He's gonna have to throw some punches. He's gonna have to receive a lot of punches as he already has. How do you think he should best navigate what is going to be a quagmire for him? Well, that is the question, right? It's probably the best question any host could ask because it's it's the most important one. And I think what you don't do is you don't do what Marco Rubio did and try to trade barb for barb with Donald Trump because you're not going to win. What I think you do do is you you use Donald Trump's inertia against him, against Trump himself. Donald Trump cannot resist being contrarian. Donald Trump will move to the left on every issue as long as DeSantis stays to the right. So that's one place you beat him. And you just put substance above style. Now you need style, right? This is a retail game. You need stylistically to be better than the next guy, or in this case, different than the next guy, because it's very hard to beat Donald Trump on style. He's a once-in-a-lifetime anomaly in terms of a media figure and a guy who understands how to play the media, how to market himself how to be his own publicist. He publicist. He's a master at that. But what you can do is draw the contrast and even say, hey, look, you know, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but at a 30,000 foot level, look, we get it. You're a great showman, but the country is over the show. And I think you got to drag out Trump's personnel issues, abdicating his presidency to Fauci, because to your point a little while ago, how it was unfair, it sure was, but his litany of personnel issues Personnel problem after personnel problem culminating in abdication to Fauci, who really tried to destroy this nation as a tyrant. The man should die in prison 
for what he did to people. Hiring Christopher Ray and still not being able to say if Chris Ray was a bad decision when DeSantis said he'd fire him on day one. Trump still praising the vaccine. I think there was a Newsweek piece January 23rd of this year, 2023, where he dismissed the safety concerns and said the vax saved 100 million lives. Trump has given Team DeSantis more than enough oppo, more than enough sound bites to beat him. They just have to do it their own way. They've got to play their own game. And again, don't go back to Rubio and Jeb and try to meet him punch for punch. Fight, play a different sport and make him catch up to you. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that because I think that there is certainly a place for Ron to acknowledge what Trump has done for the movement, acknowledge right. what he's done for the country, and simply say, listen, buddy, I supported you. I still support you, but I can win and you can't. And I think right. that that is the message that conservatives need to hear. And that's the message that I think will resonate with conservatives if they are being honest with themselves. And again, that's all to, to say we are still supporters of America first, making America great again, policies, better trade deals, a secure border, all the things that Donald Trump delivered to this party, to this movement, the kickstart that he gave us. But that doesn't mean that we have undying loyalty that supersedes our loyalty to the country. John, it's going to be a wild ride. We're going to take a lot of punches for this. Um, we're going to be, you know, it's going to be wild. But luckily, we can hang in there. And at the end of the day, it's uh, country first. So I appreciate you. Uh, please say hello to everyone over there at Team Ron. And I hope to talk to you soon. You will. Thanks, Tommy. Good Thanks chat. Thanks so much. Up next, the Dodgers invited, then disinvited, then reinvited a group of blasphemous drag queen freaks to accept a Community Hero Award. And yeah, I've got some final thoughts. The Dodgers invited, then disinvited, then reinvited a bunch of blasphemous drag freaks to receive a Community Hero Award. And you betcha, I've got some final thoughts. So Memorial Day is Monday, a day to commemorate our fallen military heroes, but that parade has apparently been rained out in favor of rainbows, drag queens, and penis-tucking swimwear. Memorial Day is now just the kickoff to Pride Month, it seems. And while it's beyond me why we must all celebrate the sexual desires and preferences of some in the first place, I also don't know why literally every entity known to mankind, sorry, they kind, must salute it and salute it visibly. Which brings me to the L.A. Dodgers. Look, I don't give a rat's ass about most sports, but I love baseball, so this, this really grinds my gears. After inviting a group of Christianity-mocking drag queens to receive a Community Hero Award, the baseball club received a great deal of pushback, and for good reason. So they pulled the invite. But because it's L.A. and gay is the state religion, the Dodgers reversed course yet again and reinstated their invitation. I'd like y'all to formally meet the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence and a word of warning to anyone with a pacemaker or other life-sustaining medical device, don't say, I didn't warn you. sure what makes that group deserving of a Community Hero Award, but I will list some of the group's other accolades. The group once hosted a pub crawl on Easter Sunday to mock Stations of the Cross, a commemoration of Jesus' last day on Earth, 
On another occasion, these drag queens made a point to once again mock our faith with a hunky Jesus competition. And then there's the whole sexy dance in nun attire that's not just gross, but blasphemous and insulting and quite frankly, torture of the eye. This is an anti-Christian hate group. But the Dodgers organization thinks these people are community heroes, huh? No, more accurately, some activists in the front office of the MLB or in the organization have hijacked the sport and made it appear as if this is something baseball fans at large endorse. Wrong. Baseball players, predominantly conservative. Baseball coaches, predominantly conservative. Baseball fans, predominantly conservative. So why then does this crap continue? I'll tell you why because conservative athletes are too afraid to rock the boat and stand up for their beliefs. Why? Leftist athletes don't think twice about voicing their activism. They don't care who they offend and they are rewarded for it, but conservatives refuse. So I'm calling on every conservative or Christian player in the Dodgers organization to stand up and say something about this. You have the power to make a change, but if you don't, I shudder to think what Pride 2024 or Pride 2025 or Pride 2035 is going to look like. Why is it that only the Christian faith is the only faith repeatedly dumped on? Every other group and every other religion falls into a protected class except for us, and we only have ourselves to blame for that. But those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless. Take care.